0: Best thing you can ever say is yes to the Lord. I've said yes to stuff before, got me in trouble. But when you say yes to the Lord, I can guarantee you that'll never get you in trouble. It'll get you out of trouble, but it won't get you in trouble. Man, been serving the Lord. Man, thank God. And we look back over our lives as we come to the close of another year. We think, man, time is passing by real fast. Anybody agree? Yes, 26 years ago this June, we came here and started Christian Embassy had our grand opening December, uh, the second week in December, so we're coming up on the 26th anniversary of the grand opening. Uh, all that work that we did from June to December just exploded into a great ministry. Thank God. And you and I are here, and we continue the legacy. And 26 years, praise the Lord. You, you guys are making history. I appreciate you being here tonight so much. I'm reminded of uh, the elder pastor who... It was a 30-some year anniversary coming up, and he went in his closet, and he was trying to find some old memorabilia that uh, they were wanting to, you know, post overhead for the anniversary service. And while he was in the closet, he found a box that had three eggs in it and uh, had, you know, 100, $101 bills in it. And uh, so he went to his wife, and he said, what in the world is this? This, this box here with three eggs and $101 bills in it. She said, "Oh my, I forgot about that." She said, "You know, uh, when we started in the ministry, I just had this idea that for every sorry sermon that you preached, I'd put an egg in that box." And he just smiled and he says, "Only three eggs in there." He said, "Man, I, I've done really good." She said, "Oh well, the other part of the deal was every time I had a dozen, I'd sell them for a dollar." It's a lot of rotten sermons. <laughs> I pray none of you have to put an egg in a box tonight. If you do, don't tell me about it. (laughs) We're going to pick up on this series, Prosperity by God's Design. And uh, it's one of the most favorite parts of the Bible I teach. And I say that about every series because I love God's Word. God's Word is amazing. But this really hits us where the rubber meets the road in our lives uh, as God has given us talents and He has given us treasures and He has given us time of all which are are gift from the Lord and we have a responsibility in how we spend each of those. And God wants to be involved in how we uh, interact in life and, and miraculously. A lot of people are looking for the big miracle, oh God, just split the Red Sea. I'm telling you what. I'm telling you, God wants to split the Red Sea in your finances, but he doesn't want to wait till you've got the army of Pharaoh uh, pushing you against the water. He wants to do it in a miraculous way every day. See, God doesn't have to just show up in the crisis of life, uh, in the crises of life. He wants us to align ourselves with his word and align our hearts with him and live in the miracle zone instead of having a miracle come rescue out of a tough situation that maybe your rebellion or, or lack of knowledge got you into, I love living in the miracle zone. And I've been in both. And, uh, and when I was in the other, it was a yo-yo experience, an up and down, emotional up and down, uh, thinking I'm going to make it, think we're not going to make it, but I learned you don't have to live that way. You can, you can take the principles and the precepts of God's word and apply them. You can, you can take your faith on the truth of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And you can uh, bring that into your life in such a way that it manifests on a daily basis. And, uh, you know, I would, rather, I would rather live with divine help than need divine healing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know what? Uh, every time you get hit with sickness and disease, as, as we all get bombarded and, you know, uh, uh, you know, just the enemy just comes in there and tricks us at times and gets an arrow in there where we had our shield of faith down, we say, oh, my goodness, sickness is no fun. Pain is no fun. Stuffiness is no fun, you know. And then we, we say we're we going to kick the devil out and we're going to come against every infection and disease in our body and come back into our healing. But, man, to live in divine health, you, if you're not careful, you can get spoiled. you know. But I like living in the miracle zone. I don't, I, I don't want to get into the place I'm always needing a rescue and always looking uh, for you know, a breakthrough in order to survive. I want to thrive. You know, there's people that want to survive, but I want to thrive. And I believe the kingdom of God is set up for us to thrive. When he says the only way up in his kingdom is up, the only direction is up, and he wants us to go from glory to glory and faith to faith, I'm telling you what, that's what I want to do. I want to be growing, I want to be maturing, and I want to be advancing in the kingdom of God. I want to be having a greater effect against the kingdom of darkness and a greater effect for the kingdom of light. Every day of my life, and I know you do too. That's why you're here. So we're going to pick up on this series, Prosperity by God's Design. And the teacher in me, there's a preacher in me, there's a teacher in me, and there's something else we've not identified yet. But nonetheless, uh, it all comes together. It's hard for me to just pick back up without review. So we're going to do a quick review uh, and look at some of the stuff that brought us to the place we want to uh, go for from today. So we want to go uh, looking at prosperity by God's design. To our scripture in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, a tremendous revelation unto us. Uh, the world tries to tell us and religious folks tried to tell us that if you've got any money or you've got any resources, then you're evil. And, you know, they tell you that, that money is the root of all evil and they twist the scriptures around as Satan does. The Bible says the love of money, not money. So God wants you to be rich. He wants you to be in in God's prosperity. We're talking about not the world's greedy rich, but we're talking about God's prosperity, and we identify that and uh, define that. So you know for the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. We want we've said it each time when he became poor was not when he was born and it was not when uh, he was a little boy. And it wasn't when he was a young man and it wasn't when he was doing ministry and had to have need of a treasurer. He became poor in a, a particular place. And we want to look at that. The how. How did this take place? And it took place on that rugged tree. You see him hanging on right there. Because Galatians three thirteen and 14 tells us that this curse uh, that was on us, he came to take off of us. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. And uh, we'll just move right on to the next slide there because aspects of that curse that he took on is found in Deuteronomy 28 and 48 where it says the curse of poverty would cause hunger, thirst and nakedness and want of all things. And we know that Jesus from the cross says, I thirst. We know that he was naked as they were uh, uh, gambling for his clothes. We know when they took him off of the cross, he had not eaten. And there they placed him in a borrowed tomb for he had no property of his own. So we know He took on those four things in the curse of the law. In Deuteronomy 28 and 48, He took them head on, not as a child, not as a toddler, not as that 12-year-old in the temple, not as the 30-year-old being baptized by John the Baptist. He took it on at 33 and a half years old, hanging on that cross. Because it wasn't him shedding sinless blood that took on the curse. It was him hanging on that cross that took on the curse. For the scripture said, cursed is he who hangs on a tree. So Jesus hung on a tree to take the curse off of us. Why did he do that? The answer to the question, why, is so that he could get the blessing on us. That's the fulfillment of Galatians 3 13 and 14. He took the curse off of us that the blessing of Abraham, remember that blessing he put on Abraham? He says, You blessed coming in, you blessed going out, you blessed in the city, you blessed in the field. Whatever you put your hand to, blessed. Wherever the soles of your feet shall trod, you're blessed. Whatever you declare in righteousness shall be uh, released that blessing. I'm telling you, he did it so that the blessing of Abraham. Abraham might come upon even the Gentiles, you and I, who are in Christ Jesus. Are you in Christ tonight? Amen. If you are, say amen. Hallelujah. In Proverbs 28, 19... He says this prosperity that God has for us is not that prosperity of greed like the world looks at. He says here, and uh, a hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies ends up in poverty. So we're not talking about a prosperity that you're not involved in. It's a prosperity that you have to put your hand to uh, whatever God is giving you to do, and you have to work and be a part of that. In Proverbs 13 and 11, he goes on to say dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money little by little makes it grow. So this get rich quick schemes, I'm telling you, don't run after them. Don't run after the lottery. I don't care if every state in the nation says it's legal. Just because it's legal doesn't mean it's righteous. This, because it's legal in man's eyes, doesn't make it legal in God's eyes. I could go through a list of things that man says is legal today, but I can show you right in the Word of God that they are not legal in God's eyes. So we've got to do it God's way if we want God to be participating in and through us. Then he goes on in Proverbs 28 and 20, and he says the trustworthy person will get a rich reward. Trustworthiness. God says He's going to give you a rich reward for that. But a person who wants quick riches will get into trouble. So there again we have a confirmation from God's Word uh, telling us the danger of us trying to run after riches quickly. Then in Proverbs 28, 22, greedy people try to get rich quick but don't realize they're headed for poverty. They may look like their, uh, uh, their their balance sheet even may look like it gets ahead but there is an increase that comes with sorrow And they may lose their family, they may lose their health, they may lose their integrity, they may lose their reputation, they may lose their freedom in how they got rich. And just because they had a big uh, number on the balance sheet doesn't necessarily mean they, they were blessed. So we've got to see that trying to do it outside of God's plan opens the door for the enemy to participate in your finances and in your work. Then he says in Matthew 6 and 33, we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God is not against you having stuff. He had just talked about houses and land. He had just talked about clothes and food. And he says, but seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Doing it my way. He says, and I'll see to it that all of this stuff is added unto you. I'm so glad that God does not want us walking around, living in sackcloth and living in a you know box out in the woods somewhere, especially when it's cold out there like this. I'm glad that God wants us to have houses and clothes and land and food and he wants us to be blessed but he wants us to do it the right way amen then proverbs 10:22 says the blessing of the lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it so there is a rich richness or a prosperity that we can achieve that has no sorrow with it. And that word rich is right from the Hebrew word ashar, to become wealthy, to become rich, to gain riches, to prosper. So you can't try to over-spiritualize it and say it doesn't mean material things. It does talk about the wealth that we have to deal with the resources in this world. But it, we got to receive it God's way. God wants you to be rich but he wants you to be blessed in that way that does not allow the enemy to come in and brings sorrow. Then Psalms 1 and 3 says, uh, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, what, whose leaf does not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I declare that over you right now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that you will be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water that you will bring forth the fruit in its season and that your leaf will not wither and whatever you do whatever you do you shall prosper as you do it as unto the Lord somebody receive that right now and say amen I'm telling you that that declaration over you is yours it is yours if you will adhere to this next verse of Scripture, Matthew 6, 24, where he says, no one can serve two masters. He'll either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And we talked about mammon being this, uh, uh, not money, because a lot of people think mammon is money, but it's a spirit that comes on money. Uh, It's the love of money, it's the trust in money, it's the trust, let me tell you what, if you put your trust in your retirement account, if you put your trust in a 401k, if you put your trust in a Roth IRA or traditional IRA or if you put your trust in a pension plan or you put your trust in the social security system and that becomes your God, that, I'm telling you, spirit of mammon comes in. Spirit of Mammon comes in, you're going to have fear, you're going to have all types of problems, and he's going to steal every bit of it that he can. I'm telling you, let's get our money protected by the Holy Ghost and the angels of heaven, and let us not do it God, uh, 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 Satan's way, let's do it God's way. So you can't love the two, you can't mix the two. You, you commit it one way or the other. There's this huge contrast that takes place. If you're uh, with spirit of mammon, it, it, it's selfish, it's pride, it's deceit. There's all you take, take, take. That's, that's all mammon has that spirit. You're, you're, you're about taking the fry rather than sharing the fry from the story that Pastor Rodika shared earlier. Uh, but with the spirit of, of generosity and the spirit of God, you, you want to give, you're generous, you're humble, you, cause you know you have God's assistance. And you know as long as you're giving and as long as you're generous and as long as you're operating with the humility of God, you're blessed and, and you can't outgive God. Some people say, I I don't believe that. Well then you've truly not tested him. You've truly not tested him. You cannot outgive God. He is supernaturally involved in this thing called us prospering his way. So I'm telling you, if you want to hang out with Mammon, he brings some friends with him. He's got two friends that always hang out with him. And if you look at that spirit of poverty, he's always hanging out with Mammon. And the spirit of pride is always hanging out with Mammon. I remember last time I was talking about how they are different. For the spirit of poverty has a voice and the spirit of pride has a voice. And I've got another slide here to show you that difference. You know, pride says I deserve more. But poverty says I should feel guilty for what I do have. Don't you allow either one of those spirits in your life. I'm telling you, if you're blessed of the Lord, don't you go around feeling guilty about it. You say, I thank you, God. I'm a steward of it and I'll do with it whatever you tell me to do. But don't you let spirit of pride come in and say, I got this and I deserve more. I'm telling you what, we've got to live with a spirit of gratitude that says thank you. Because gratitude is an attitude of thankfulness which always acknowledges God's provision. Amen? And then I think i got another slide that kind of shows some contrast where pride wants people to think we paid more and poverty wants people to think we paid less. Oh, you mean this whole thing? I got it from the thrift store, you know? Just say thank you. Gratitude doesn't care what people think. It cares mostly what God thinks. Amen? So we want to encourage you to uh, not allow the spirit of pride and poverty that comes with the spirit of mammon in your finances. Hallelujah. Now, Deuteronomy 8 and 18 brings us to the close of our review. This was fast forward. Don't you wish you could have gone through college that fast? You'd have had a bachelor's degree in a week. Amen. (laughs) And you shall remember the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 8 and 18. You shall what? remember the Lord your God for it is he who he it is he who gives you power to get well hallelujah we're not talking about greed of the world we're talking about a wealth that is secure a wealth that is prepared and and, and is protected by God he will give you power to get well that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. He wants to establish his covenant in this earth, and he chose resources of finances to have things established in this earth. It could be established any way he wanted, but he wanted to use the currency of the land. And he says, I'm going to use the currency of the land, something that everybody's interested in, the, the weak, the strong, the old, the young, the everybody's interested in. And the resources of the land. And I'm going to use that which will get everyone of their attention. I'm going to use it to establish my covenant. And I'm going to do it this way for those who will come to me and and honor me and trust me and believe in me and seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. I'm going to give them power, miracle power to get well so that my covenant may be established in the land. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm a covenant keeper. I'm a covenant keeper and I want to God to establish his covenant on the earth in and through my life. I feel like one of my purposes and my destinies and I pray you would adopt. this is yours as well I believe God tells us part of our purpose and our destiny is to be light and salt and in being light and in salt that is to establish his covenant in this earth, in the midst of a fallen people, in the midst of a, a, a degradation and a sinful people, to let them see that there is a God that they will stand accountable to one day. That will prick their conscience so that they could fall on their knees and repent and ask God for forgiveness and serve Him as well. He needs somebody to establish His covenant and how by the power of wealth being manifested in and through their lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now picking that up, we've got to make sure if we're going to be the light, that means folks are going to be looking at us and they're going to be looking at the testimony of our lives. Then we've got to make sure our heart is right. So today I'm going to talk about the heart test, the heart test. In Luke 6 and 38, Jesus teaches us, given it will be given to you, give and it will be given to you. It didn't say it will be given to you first. It says give, right? Give. Then it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now a common mistake is to read this verse, assuming that Jesus is only talking about money. And in truth, he's revealing a principle. Say principle. We're talking about a principle. We're not talking about just money now. We're talking about a principle. He is revealing a principle that applies to every area of our life. Because if you looked at the larger context of this scripture, you could go back just two verses and you will see, therefore be merciful just as your father is merciful. Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. So so you also see that you can give forgiveness. You can give mercy. You can give understanding. You can give patience. So he's not talking about money. He's talking about this broad principle of giving. And he's setting there is a law called the law of reciprocity here that whatever you give is going to come back to you, but it doesn't come back to you the same way that it went out from you. It's coming back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So he's given us some farming terms here that it's coming back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I need someone in here tonight to give me a $50 bill. Anybody give me $50? Oh, the firstborn, he wants the inheritance. You got $50? You got $50? Whoa, okay. Okay, yes, sir. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Now we're talking about this farming, these farming words here. That was a good job. (laughs) According to the instructions of the Old Testament, farmers in Israel were to leave grain and corn and whatever they were harvesting in the corners of their field for the poor. God was looking out for the poor. And those who did not own a farm and and did not have food, God was providing for them. And they would go and they would collect. And as they would collect, they would not just go and get half a basket full. How many of you have ever opened up a bag of, I don't eat potato chips, but I've, I've done it before. You open it up and you look down in there and there's just a few potato chips in the bottom. You know, you open up a... I went to Starbucks one time, and, and they handed me the cup, and I drove off, and it felt mighty light, and I opened it up, and I know it was probably an inch and a half to two inches down. If the line wasn't so long, I'd have, I'd have rerouted myself. I'm telling you, I got cheated. I got cheated. Starbucks, I'm not giving you a good rep right, right now, but you know, I'm sure if I went and told you, you'd probably give me a whole new one just for free. Uh, they're really good about that, but... This good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over means that you made sure you got a good measure, something that could handle it. And then when you started press, you put stuff in there, you start pressing it down. And then you to make sure it got even tighter. You would shake it, shake it together. And then you keep filling it up and pressing down and shaking together until it's running over. You know, it can't it can't take anymore. I'm telling you, that's how I want to live my life. It's one thing to receive a basket that's uh, just got some stuff in it, and it's another thing to receive one that's spilling over with whatever it is. And Jesus is teaching a kingdom principle here that whatever you give is going to come back to you. You're going to get a lot more of the same thing that you give. of Whatever you've given It's coming back to you a lot more. So if you think of it this way, if you give an apple seed by planting it, you're not going to get just an apple seed back. Finally, you're going to get an apple tree that is not only giving shade, that is not only giving beauty, that is not only giving oxygen, but it's giving you apples by the thousands over the seasons of its life. And in each of those apples are millions of seeds over the, of the, of the tenure of that life of that apple tree. So that one seed turns into all of that. You get back so much more than you actually give. Now, when you understand the kingdom principle of reciprocity, there is a tremendous temptation that we need to deal with. You need to grab it by the ears right now and say, you're not coming in, you're not coming in. Because this is the temptation to make uh, giving your motivation or the motivation for your giving. We've got to look at the motivation of our giving, where it says, given it shall be given to you, should be a principle of, uh, of reward. So we have to uh, peel back and say, what is the motivation behind this? And it should be for reward. That, that's why Jesus preceded this promise by saying, judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. So the principle should be the reward of the Lord, uh, it should, of us giving, and it shouldn't be giving because of the motivation of what I can get. So this is not a get-quick-rich scheme. A lot of people have taken this and said, oh, if I just give and I sow my seed into the kingdom of God, then it's coming back to me, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, hallelujah, and they will even do a little Holy Ghost dance and, and get all excited but they don't see a miracle in their money. I'm telling you, Jesus tells us the context of this. Judge not, you will not be judged. Condemn not, you shall not be condemned. Forgiven, you will be forgiven because it puts it in a very sobering light, this teaching, this, this law that is there, that if you give judgment, you got to know this, that judgment is going to come back to you. Come on, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. If you give condemnation... Condemnations coming back to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. But the good news is, is if you give forgiveness or if you give, you know, if you give forgiveness to somebody, an abundance of forgiveness is going to come back to you. Press down, shake it together, running over that good measure. Amen. You give mercy to someone and you give love to someone. It's coming back to you. It's coming back to you. So this principle works. And this is the fundamental principle of the kingdom of God. Again the basic problem that we have in dealing with this principle is if we're not careful is that materialistic gain is presented as the motive for giving. And and, and we all have to be honest with ourselves especially if we have a need or we have a goal in life and, and 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 it takes some money to reach to meet that need or it takes some money to to uh, to get to reach that goal you know we have to be careful here. Because the motivation of the heart is what God is looking at. And if there is any, uh, you might would say, uh, uh, motivation that violates the principles of God's word, then you're going to see that God, he comes in because he's not going to release blessing on something that's not blessed. Amen. So how do you think God feels when we take his righteous kingdom principle and we try our own little get-quick-rich scheme? You think he says, okay, okay, this, I'll tolerate this. See, God doesn't want us to catch the vision of getting. He wants us to catch the vision of giving. See, the whole principle of reciprocity, reciprocity is give, give, give. It, you know God's going to take care of the rest. But the reason you're giving is because God says he wants to establish his covenant and he wants you to enter into this law of reciprocity so that you can have the resources to establish his covenant in this land. See, so so we got to be careful at the motivation of the heart and when you do give, you should expect to receive. I'm not saying you shouldn't expect to receive because that's what God's word says. And faith is, you know, uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of the things not yet seen. So you are believing that God's word works and you with the right motive have sown into the kingdom and you, and you can know, you can know it's God's, wor- God's word is going to work every time. So motives are important to God though. You got to know that. Proverbs 16 and 2, he tells us all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So you may say, oh, I'm just doing it because I want to establish the covenant of God. You've got to pray. You've got to pray. Keep yourself accountable to God. Keep yourself with him and say, God, show me. Search my heart, God. If there's any, any ill motive in me, Lord, show it. You weigh the motives of a man's heart, Lord. Show me if I'm weighed, you know, if I'm weighing in here. Because, Lord, and show me what to do, Lord God, to get my heart right. Get my heart pure before you. James 4 and 3, when you ask, you do not receive. Because when you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So he says you, you've been asking, but you're not receiving because you ask with wrong motives. Do you see it right there in the Word of God? You're asking with wrong motives. It's all about you. Now, does God, did we say earlier, God, He doesn't care if you have houses and land and clothes and food, right? In Matthew 6, He says, in context, I'll, I'll, but seek first what? My kingdom and my righteousness. So the resources of blessing from God is to establish what? His covenant kingdom in the land. So the covenant of His kingdom is what we've got to be focused on and and his righteousness, doing it the right way, then he didn't care about you having all the stuff. He don't want the stuff to have you. So so that's why in James 4 and 3, you wanted this stuff. A person that he's talking to here, if they got great riches, the riches would own them rather than them owning the riches. So we want to look at how to become pure-hearted givers. How to become and, and, and check ourselves to make sure that we are a pure-hearted giver. So let's check the heart. And I've given four uh, basic hearts that we're going to look at. And you look and let the examination of the Holy Spirit, just give, give, give him access. Uh, Dr. Uh, Jesus right now, uh, Jehovah Rapha, let him do a heart, scan, uh, heart test on you right now. And let's see, say, God, if this is me, I want to deal with it tonight. I don't want to wait another night. I want to deal with it right now. First, there's that greedy heart or a selfish heart. And we see in Deuteronomy 15:9, beware lest there be a wicked thought in your heart, saying the seventh year, the year of release is, is at hand, and your eye be evil against your poor brother, and you give him nothing. And he cry out to the Lord against you, and it becomes sin among you. God tells us here in Deuteronomy 15 and 9, he says we're going to deal with the wicked thoughts that would keep us from having compassion on others. He says be, beware lest there be wicked thoughts. So you've all got these thoughts, these greedy thoughts, these wicked thoughts, these selfish thoughts. That I'm gonna, I'm not, I'm gonna skim and I'm gonna not be generous and I'm gonna not help and I'm not gonna pay what I should pay and I'm gonna get by with everything that I can get by with. I don't care about anybody else. I only care about me. And selfishness whispers that we won't have enough. You better hoard it because you're not gonna have enough. There's coming a famine. There's coming a, a downward trend. There's going to come a, you know, a, a Black Monday or a Black Friday or there's going to come something in this land that you're going to need this stuff. You've got to take care of numero uno. You've got to take care of number one. And, uh, and that's what selfishness and, and that spirit of fear says you better take care. And then that pride comes in and says you deserve even more. What even is not yours, take that as well and cover it up because, you know, you deserve it. They're not paying you what they should pay you or you're not getting what you should get or you deserve more. You know, that's what this selfishness and this greed spirit will whisper to you. And God says don't allow your heart to think that way. So God knows this better than we do, so he knows those thoughts are going, the enemy's going to send those thoughts, those wicked thoughts, but we are the ones that choose whether or not those thoughts uh, can light in us or land in us or not. The Bible says that a curse without a cause can't even light. I'm telling you, the devil sends a thought. He let that thought pass in one ear and out the other ear and rebuke it in the name of Jesus as it goes. Don't meditate on it. Don't hold on to it. Just say, that is straight from hell. That is straight from Satan. Satan, I resist you. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And then declare a promise of God's word over that thought, override it in the name of Jesus. Amen? So God wants to change us from being greedy, selfish takers into grateful, generous givers. In Joshua 1 and 8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You meditate in his book of the law day and night. He wants you to know his heart. He wants you to know what's right. And he says, I don't want you just meditating in it so that you're marinating in my word. But he goes on to say, so that. You may observe so that you may do it. You may do according to what is written. For then, for then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. I'm telling you, there's a lot of you here tonight... That no people, that no people, that no people who are outside of the covenant blessings of God, outside of the miracle flow of finances in their life, outside of the covenant establishing promises of God, and it's not God's fault. He says, then you will make the way prosperous and then you will make that way of good success when you observe or do what the word says. So we've got to let the Word of God come in our heart, transform our hearts, and let our hearts be purified that we now are participating in the establishment of the covenant of God. We need to prosper. We need to have more than enough. We need our baskets overflowing. God's given us a law of reciprocity to make sure that happens, but we have to do it with a right heart, not a heart of greed and selfishness. So we have to get in the Word of God and let the Word of God get in us and drive out that selfishness. Selfishness is your enemy. Selfishness tries to manipulate and make deals with God. And, and before we get looking down our nose at anyone, we were all born selfish. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were born with Adam's natures. That sin nature is selfish. And we nobody even had to teach us our first word when we were born was "why, why, why," and we got on our mama and our daddy's nerve, but we didn't care. "Why, why?" I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. My bottom's wet. My bottom's got some silly putty on it or whatever. Okay, we're born selfish. So selfishness is rooted in all of our hearts. So before we get to saying, you know what? I don't know who he's talking about tonight. We better say, God, help me see if all that which was rooted in me from the beginning has been annihilated. You say, I got to crucify the flesh. I got to make sure it's dead. I'm not allowing selfishness to rule in my heart. Because that default thing that was in us, God has made a way for us to deal with it. So we need to deal with the wicked, selfish heart as we become a giver so that we know that when we give, we give like God. Here God says, I want to deal with this wicked, selfish heart and make you a giver. I want to make you like me. Wow. So that's that greedy heart. Is there any greed in your heart? Do we come up with excuses as to why we need the money? Let's say it comes our tithes and offerings. You go, well, the government takes their percentage, and, you know, the national government takes their percentage. Then the state government takes their percentage. Then the city government takes their percentage. Now my neighborhood's got an HOA. They're taking their percentage. You know what? And I go buy gas, and I'm paying another percentage. I go to grocery store, I'm paying another percentage. You know, everywhere I go, I'm paying I go to restaurant, pay even more of a percentage. You know what? And then I got a tip on top of that. You know what? I'm tired of giving. I've given out enough. Enough's enough. And that selfishness will say, God, because you don't demand it and you want me to do it by faith, I'm not going to participate with your kingdom work. But as a Christian, I'm expecting you to take care of me. And he says, are you a covenant keeper? Are you in covenant? You know, most Americans, they did did a uh, survey and they found out 80 plus percent of Americans say they're Christian. Does 80 percent of America go to church? Does 80 percent of America support the ministry? Does 80 percent of America use their spiritual gifts in Romans chapter 12, of which all of us have these talents and gifts that God has given to us that we're to use in advancing the kingdom of God? Hmm, percentage really drops low. And they found out in follow-up, why do you think you're a Christian? You know, what makes you a Christian? They said, because I'm born in America. Being born in America doesn't make you a Christian. Amen? Being born in America doesn't make you a Christian. So, we we have to be in covenant with God. That whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus, declaring his lordship over their life. I surrender all to your lordship, meaning I'm going to do it your way. And you won't establish your covenant in this earth and you've given this law of reciprocity and I can bring tithes and offerings into your storehouse and into your kingdom and you're going to, good measure, press down, shake it together, bring back to me if my motives are right so that there's an overflow and this overflow is to be a blessing to my family, my children, my children's children and to help those that are, are, are helpless around me, but also to keep establishing the kingdom of God. Now, to me, that's, that's a win-win situation. So we must see, do I have greed in my heart? You could answer that question and say, why if I'm not tithing? uh, And and I don't mean paying off God. I'm not talking about that. I did that for years and had no power to it. I was 17, tempted suicide, saw the mighty right hand of God naturally, supernaturally saved my life. I'm sold. Nobody's got to tell me anything. I go to about this pastor that then preaches on Isaiah 41.10, the right hand of God, which is mighty to say, I'm like, that was God's hand. My life is saved. So I go to that pastor and say, I, I, what do I do? And he says, give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. I said, I died two Saturday nights ago and went to hell. Everything I got now is his. And I said, now what do I do? He said, you need to read your Bible every day. I said, I'll do it. I need to get a Bible, but I'll do it. And, and, and he says, we'll get you a Bible. I said, okay. And then he says, we, you need to attend church. He said, every time the doors are open. Man, I don't know if he said that to his advantage or what, but I said, okay, okay. I'm going to attend the church every time the doors are open. And then he says, you need to pay your tithes. I said, what's that? He said, that's tithe, 10% of everything you earn. Oh, I'll give it more than that. So now that's all you got to give. So in my mind, I thought I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but I was, you know, and I was seeing the miracles of God in those first years. It was awesome, but eventually that stuff turned into religion for me, and when it turned into religion, it's like the floodgates got shut off, and then I'm I'm still doing my duty, but I was, you know, thinking, well, God's like the Godfather, and if he gets his cut, then he's going to protect me, and I can do my business and everything, but Something ain't happening, something's not going good here anymore. And boy, when I got the revelation that this is a, a, this is a faith activity. This is all about faith. This isn't about paying off God. God, like Pastor Rodriguez said, God don't need your money. He don't need it. And then I got to see I don't have to do this. I get to do this so that I can participate in this supernatural kingdom scheme or, or plan that God has. It's amazing the plan that he has, and and he's got all of heaven back in it. You know, LIBOR rate, you know, came about, was very popular with a London interbanking offering rate, which took seven countries uh, and, and their financial you know, status uh, to stand behind it, kind of like the prime rate uh, that, that has our treasury backing that. And because that was so, you know, maybe not trustworthy, this, this LIBOR rate was made available to banks to banks and, and high, high borrowers and stuff. You know what? And, and I found out that even those seven nations can offer and even the LIBOR rate and the prime rate can, they can totally be bankrupt but the principles that we're teaching here is backed by the kingdom of God And there's never a drought in the kingdom of God. And there's never an earthquake. And there's never a fire. And there's never theft. And there's never anything that can jeopardize what backs the kingdom of God's financial plan. And I'm like, wow! I don't have to do this, but I get to do this. And when I change it into the gear of faith rather than duty, I entered into the supernatural zone, and then I began to see it work in my life supernaturally and that's what God wants for you as well but you got to get that greedy heart out of the way then there's that grieving heart some of you may identify you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and in all of which you have put your hand Notice that the reward for being a giver is a blessed life, but he instructs us not to grieve in our hearts when we've been obedient in giving. It is so important that we not start grieving over what we have sown into the kingdom of God. Now, why would God say that if it were not the possibility for it to happen? Now, how many of you in here would be honest enough with me to say at some time in your life, it may have been 110 years ago, but at some time in your life, you obediently gave something that God, you felt God wanted you to give, and then afterwards, you started sweating a little, and you started grieving a little, saying, was that the right thing? Should I have done that? Maybe this wasn't the right time. Anybody? A couple of you, okay. I have. Because I had the gift of giving. And someone said, in your spiritual gifts test, did you uh, score high in the gift of giving? I said, yes. And they said, uh, okay, so you have the gift of giving. I said, because I answered every one of them the way I want to be. I want to be a giver. If God so loved the world that he gave, I want to be like my God. I want to, I love him so much. He gave everything for me. I want to give everything to him. I, 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 man, you know, I manpower myself to be a giver. Okay, but in that you got to be careful because sometimes if you're not listening correctly to the Holy Spirit and you're listening to emotions, sometimes you can give out of turn, and then there's times you can hear the Holy Spirit and blame it on the devil, and but yet you say I know it was the Lord, so you give out you give beyond what you thought you should be giving, and then you only grieve later. I remember going to Bible college, and I had all this money saved up, and you know I was going to take care of my finances. I there was nothing going to keep me from having toothpaste and deodorant and all the stuff I was going to need in college. You know, when I'm there, and uh, and and a first night in chapel down in the chapel, down in the basement. We were praying and the Holy Ghost visited us, new students, in such a mighty way. And God spoke to me as clearly as you hear my voice right now. And He says, I want you to take everything that you have saved up and I want you to give 90% of it away anonymously and I want you to live on 10%. And I was so caught up in the moment. I said, hallelujah. Yes, Lord, yes. And that Saturday, I got my checkbook, and I looked at what I had, and it was a nice amount. And I m- multiplied my 90% out, and that was a nice amount. And then I saw what was left, and I said, oh, I got to learn how to survive on crumbs now. And I didn't remember doing what the Lord told me to do, and, and then that paid car payment was coming due. I had a car payment as well and that car payment was coming due, and, and there I'd given all the money away. And the 10% was so small that it wasn't even enough to take care of the car payment. I was like, oh my goodness, because I gave more than 90% away. So I said, the Lord wants 90, I'm going to give 95. You know, praise God, I was in the moment, you know? And, uh, and so here, I don't know what I'm going to do. And uh, my car payments come in due, and I'm like, they'll come and they'll take my car, and I'm stuck here four hours from home, and what am I going to do? And... And I remember the mail came that one time right before the payment was due, and I hadn't received the letter the whole time I was there. And here it's my first letter. I opened it up, and I've told you this story a thousand times, but some may have not heard it. And it was written on the Abbey Lane uh, shipping uh, uh, shrimping vessel uh, stationery. And it says, "Dear Tim, uh, I was sitting here in my." my uh, breakfast nook overlooking the bay, Winyall Bay, uh, praying and, and getting ready to go out on my hobby uh, to shrimp, on my new Abilene shrimp vessel uh, that the Lord's blessed me with. And I've just enjoyed the presence of the Lord. And the Lord, uh, and, I, and the Lord spoke to me, and he says, whatever you catch today, I want you to give 10% of it to Tim Lambert. He's in Bible college. And uh, so he went out, and he caught the fish, and then he went by the Winyol uh, 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 shrimp and fish factory there where they buy it wholesale, and uh, and he sold the shrimp, they weighed it, and you you get certain prices for the large and the the jumbo and the large and the medium and the small and stuff, and they got the prices, and the market's always being bid uh, during the day, so it's up and down up and down. So when it's all weighed out, and they write him his check. He goes home and he takes, and it's his first check he ever wrote out of the Abilene fishing ch- vessel, and he writes me this check for $101.02. And he said, that explains why the number is what it is. And when I'm reading this and I see the number, I just I just begin to weep uncontrollably. Because my car payment was $101.02. And the Lord said to me, if I can cause Shrimp, I don't even think they have a brain, but enough shrimp to come into this net at certain jumbo and large and medium and small size to go to the market where the bidding and the auctioneer is going up and down at the moment of for it to come out to the penny of what you need. He said, you better never doubt me another day of your life about how I can provide. Hallelujah. And you would say, well, that sounds good. You gave away all that money uh, that the Lord told you to, and you got $101.02. The number was, you know, that was, a, that was significant because it was to the penny of what you needed. But here's the rest of the story. For the next four years, including summer breaks, every month I would get a check for $101.02. And on my birthday and at Christmas, I would get two separate checks written because he had a note in there saying, I cannot change the number. And I wanted to give you an extra one for, for your birthday and an extra one for Christmas. So he wrote two separate checks. And here just last week when we were down in South Carolina... I, was, I took the kids again by the fish plant right there on Winyall Bay, and then we parked, and I showed them across the water the Abbey Lane. It still sits there. It's been turned into a yacht now, but it's no longer stripping, but they've been blessed. there on their dock. There's their house. And Marianne and Edward Richardson was here for our dedication, if you remember. That was the couple that did that, that came in from Georgetown, South Carolina. So what I'm telling you is this. When the heart is right, I'm telling you, God is not limited. He can be so creative and you can have a testimony that is so amazing that you sometimes will tell it to yourself and say, did that really happen? And you got to go back and touch the people and walk on the boat and go to the shrimp market to see, yes, it did happen because God is a mighty God but you got to get selfishness out of the heart. See, selfishness can attack us before we give, but grief can attack us after we give. So don't curse what you've already given by grieving. Don't let selfishness keep you from giving, but don't let grief cause you to curse what you've already given. Don't have buyer's remorse when it comes to Can't even hear you what you mean? Sorry for the technical difficulty. We have new batteries now. <laughs> so we've got to do the heart test. Now, I want to explain something about this 50 dollars. You've proven good twice tonight. The reason Townsend gave me this money so promptly when I asked for it, was because it was mine in the first place. OK? I gave it to him right before I came up here and I said here and I was trusting to see if I can trust him, you know And I said when I call for this, I want you to rush up and bring it to me He experienced no grief. He had no remorse. He had no emotional conflict. I pray about giving me the money Why? Because it was wasn't his it was already mine And we too need to get this truth that what we have is not really ours It all belongs to God. Do you hear me? We have to merely uh, exercise stewardship over what he has given us. And when we get God's perspective on money, we then understand that God owns it all. And it's easy to give him whatever he asks for. We freely give him whatever and we'll never grieve over it because it wasn't ours in the first place. So there's the two negative things, the, the, gre- the greedy heart and the gr- a grieving heart. Now let's look at the generous heart. This is where you want to be checking in at. We need to develop a generous heart. I feel like I have a generous heart, but I know that the, the, uh, the erosive forces uh, that I live in in this world is always coming against it. I know to just live in life and to make a living and, and, and to survive in some of the things that we go through, it's always trying to come against my generous heart. So I want to be committed to always developing and, and, and keeping a healthy, generous heart. Deuteronomy 15, 14. You shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give him. So God is talking about this principle of giving. When God wants you to give, he says liberally or with generosity or generously, we are to give. So we're not to be stingy in our giving. We're not looking to, you know, and, and I've seen people do this, and I think they're under the law. They, not, they don't have the revelation that if they made, you know, a thousand one or a thousand ten dollars, you know, and fifty cents or something like that, then their tithe, they're going to put, you know, a hundred and hundred dollars and fifteen cents or something like that you know down to the penny and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that I'm not saying anything wrong with that but if you got to be careful because the spirit of stingy can get on you and you can be doing you can be meeting the letter of the law but the heart's not right and 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 there again if God tells you to write it out like he gave me the hundred one dollars and two cents as the Lord told him to the penny to give you do what the Lord tells you but don't Don't say, well, God, if you're going to twist my arm and take 10%, well, I ain't giving you a penny more. And if there's a place to round up or down, I'm rounding down. You know, that's, check your heart. That's not a generous heart. You got to be careful there, okay? So I'm always asking the Holy Spirit, help me cultivate a generous heart. And and, and this goes against the grain of our fallen nature, but you know what? I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I am no longer that old man. I've been, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen? And, and I know I need to, I need to be uh, uh, maturing and growing in, in the Lord. So I'm always challenging myself to be that way. So the key to walking in this new nature rather than the old one is having our minds renewed. Romans 12 and 2, you know that verse probably very well. Do not be conformed, pressed into the... There's a pressure we live in. There's a pressure of this world It's trying to put you in its mold. It's trying. It's always there. you got to know that. And In order not to be conformed or pressed into the mold of this world, we have to go through a transformation process. And we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And that word transformed is metamorphosis, which we get our word metamorphosis from, metamorphi. And uh, where caterpillar, you know, turns into a a butterfly. There's a process there of transformation through the renewing of your mind. That's why we're here on a Wednesday night taking this time to have our mind renewed with the Word of God. Because what I'm teaching you, the world doesn't talk. What I'm teaching you, your friends aren't talking about. The, the, your coworkers aren't talking about it. The, they, they have a different pressure that they're coming in in a mold that they're used to. But you and I, we're not walking in the dark anymore. Our eyes have been opened to the kingdom of God and the, and, the, and the practicality of how God wants to work in us and through us to establish his kingdom and his covenant here in this land. So we need mind renewal through the transforming of, of God's word. So so we know that if we'll do that, that, that God's word, will you'll find God is generous. His word will help develop a generous heart in you. And then finally, there's the grateful heart. The grateful heart. Deuteronomy 15 and 15. And you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you this thing today. So he said, here, I want you to remember. You to remember And the reason I said this through the feast, and I say it again, especially through the Feast of Sukkot, where God said it's all about you remembering. When you go into the land that flows with milk and honey, you've got to remember. But here he's talking about you remember you were once slaves. And, and, And because it would, you know, as they would think back to what they or their parents or grandparents had to go through and seeing where they were today, blessed as free men and free women, they would fill their heart with gratitude. And they would be so thankful that they were free and blessed the way they are. So God says, I want you to remember, that's how he reminds us. He says, I want you to be reminded of what you've come out of. I go back to that night on the Lanes Highway there at the Johnson Swamp Bridge. I go back to that old Ford Fairlane and it it sounded like the engine was going to burst as I was running into that bridge and I was going to end it. I go back there not to relive any of Satan's lies and stuff, but to see that hand of God come through the roof of the car and save my life. And it reminds me that my life is not mine. When I was in control, I was a mess. When I was in control, I was a loss of everything. When I was in control, I was headed straight to hell. But the of God, the love of God, the heart of God, the presence of God, the word of God, the spirit of God is entered into our lives and we can't forget that. We cannot just become cold hearted and say, we got where we are on our own. We got to know that it is God who has promoted us. It is God who has blessed us. It is God who has freed us. It is God who has delivered us. It is God who has healed us. It is God who has set us free. Come on, somebody with somebody in this church tonight. Say, thank you, Lord. God bless God blesses. He blesses absolutely. And his promises, of blessings are given not to entice us, but to free us from fear and to free us from grief and to free us from living under that spirit of greed and that spirit of grief and to live in the liberty that he has given to us. Hallelujah. Luke 6:38. Yes, when you give, it will be given to you good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will it be put into your bosom? God is going to give you more. His law of reciprocity is going to leave you with more than you started with. And you're going to find it's going to keep on giving. It's going to keep on giving. And if you set it up right and the Lord should tarry, it'll keep on giving even after you're gone. Your legacy will still be advancing the kingdom of God. Your legacy will still be establishing the covenant of God here on on this earth. But we may need a heart checkup. We may need a heart transplant. We may need something done to our heart because if we're still living with a heart of greed or we still have in our heart that grief that when we do give then we resent it or we're, we're mad because we did it or we're afraid because we did it we got to make sure that gets bypassed that get, thing gets cut out we don't need to live with that we need to live with a heart of generosity we need to live with a heart of gratitude And knowing that our God will meet every need according to his riches and glory. Hallelujah. we got to come to the place when we give unto God and his work. And we give with an unselfish heart, a generous heart, a heart of gratitude. And when you do that, I'm telling you, you are established on the road of a blessed life. It is the covenant promise of God. There's no other way you can live. There's no other way you can live. I'm telling you is you'll take the whole counsel of God's word. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on. jesse give got some praise. He's got a plan. He's got a plan for us that's better than we could have ever made for ourselves. We just got to get with his plan. We just got to get with his plan. Amen. You going to play for me? Yes. We're going to pray. And I'll tell you what. Just so that what that exercise leaves with me sowing a little seed, I think I'm just gonna bless that young man with a with a little extra blessing there. <laughs> college kids can, college kids can always take a little extra, amen. <laughs> Praise God. I'm telling you, I'm challenging myself. I wanna have a heart of generosity. I wanna, I, I told the Lord before, not that anybody would ever know, but I want to be the biggest giver you've ever had, the biggest giver. I want to be, that gives the right way. Not this, you know, there's multi-billionaires that have given for tax advantages and stuff like that. But I'm talking about giving the right way. And Lord, I just say, Lord, I just want to bless you. I want to bless your work. I want to establish your covenant. I want to, I just want to be a part of your plan. Hallelujah. It's such an amazing plan he has for you and he has for me. So let's just tonight, as we continue in this series, let the heart test. Uh, be something we focus on and as we do that is see say holy Spirit search me is there any is there any greed is there any greed in my heart it's about me not about your kingdom God it's about me Lord I know that if I'll establish your kingdom the me will be taken care of Help me to get that turn that corner tonight or maybe it's that heart of grief that and your know, greed will keep you from giving grief, Curses what you've given because now you resent you gave. Lord, help me not to listen to those lies of the enemy. It tells, it tells me I'm not gonna make it. You're gonna end up in poverty. You're gonna end up without a roof over your head. You're gonna end up, Lord, I rebuke every negative thing the enemy has ever said to me. I rebuke it and I wanna embrace your truth. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Hallelujah. Lord God, we just ask you, Holy Spirit, examine our hearts examine our hearts tonight and help us Lord we have a we have a masterful way of covering up issues in our life and just sweeping them under the rug and saying it's really not that bad but Lord if there's any any evil in me Lord God if there's anything in me that is hindering my growth hindering my advancement, hindering me being used by you to establish your covenant here on this land. Show it to me. Just pray that way. Ask the Holy Spirit. Is there anything? Show it to me, Holy Spirit. I am committed to address it right now. I am committed that if it doesn't line up with your word, Lord and you show it to me I'm going to rebuke it I'm going to resist the devil he is going to flee I'm going to welcome you Holy Spirit into that spot to fill me with biblical truth and righteousness that I might leave here tonight sealed by the Holy Spirit into the way of the Lord so Lord I want to take care of this this, um, this, this transaction this spiritual transaction of the heart right now is there anything Lord show it to Lord I don't want to pretend anymore I want to live in reality Lord I want to live on the front line of your plan my purpose and destiny so here am I Lord here am I show me ask I'm asking you show me Holy Spirit show me is there anything oh God I'm so ready I'm so leaning into the posture of running into righteousness, running into to aligning myself with you, Jesus, finding myself in you, Christ Jesus, who is my hope of glory, who is my righteousness. I want to I move and cover up any, any void or any gap that's been there. I want to move in that direction of my life. I want to move into you, Lord. And I want to walk out of here tonight knowing, God, that I'm walking in the full covenant promise and provision and power that you have for me. Hallelujah. Show us Holy Spirit. Show us Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. If he's showing you anything, you got to take aggressive action right now and just... I'm not telling you got to stand there if you want to be on the altar. You can be on the altar if you need to kneel. I mean, I'm not telling you what position or anything to do. I'm just saying, act on what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. Act on what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. And, and it doesn't, I don't think need to be a long, drawn-out process. I think it needs to be a decision you make right now in an act of your, your will, surrendered to the Spirit of the Living God, where you rebuke the enemy and resist him and make him flee. Draw nigh unto God, resist the enemy, and he will flee. So Lord God, we're drawing unto you, we're asking you to reveal, Holy Spirit to reveal, is there anything in me, in my giving? And and as you showed us in your word, not just the giving of funds, the giving of, of, of anything, giving of forgiveness, giving of love, giving of generosity, Giving. See anything that's hindering? Anything that's out of alignment? Show me, Lord. Hallelujah. If He's showing you anything, you need to act on it right now, because delayed obedience is disobedience. You need to act on it right now. Draw nigh unto God. What you're doing right now. Now resist that devil. Resist that enemy. Resist that lie. And it'll flee. And then say, come Holy Spirit. Come on, let's just walk in the Holy Spirit. Come. Come Holy Spirit. Come, fill this place. Fill this house. Hallelujah. Come. As the word of God says, come Holy Spirit and fill this house. So we say, let our bodies be the house, the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill this temple, fill this house, fill it with your righteousness, fill it with your truth, fill it with your power, fill it with your presence. Fill me now. Fill me now. Fill that place in my mind. Fill that place in my life, Lord God. I welcome you, Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you will seal me you will, you will protect me. You will cause me to walk in the way with your strength. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. And everybody said, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. They say if you ever want a quiet congregation, talk about money. And you guys proved that right tonight. <laughs> but it's all between you and the Lord. And let's go in the peace of God. Amen.